looking forward to that. We're going to pray tonight, and I hope and trust that you believe God hears the prayers of the, of the faithful, of the hungry and the hurting. So if there's anybody sick tonight, we're praying for you right now, sick of something minor or major, we're praying in the name of the Lord for you. If you are jobless tonight, if, you've, if this virus has displaced you from an income, taken you away from something that you depended on. We're praying God move a miracle, move mightily in the way of the miraculous for you. For parents and kids that are at home and want to be somewhere else, but they cannot be, we honor you, we trust you, we're praying for you as well. Anybody dealing with life adjustments, which is every one of us, some minor though and some radical, we're praying for you as well. God, we thank you for all you're doing and all that you've done. We thank you for your mercy and your knowledge, your awareness, God, of the hurting, the afflicted, the wounded tonight. I'm asking God in a special way, in your way, you go into that home and into that heart tonight. Heal and rescue, care and deliver, God, in the name that's above all other names, like only you, Lord Jesus, can do. In Jesus' mighty name, we praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. A quick reminder to you tomorrow sometime, Sister Carlisle has told me, told me she'll have the second episode of Nuggets for the Mind and Soul on the PPC podcast. So get a, get a moment of your day if you can and check that out. Somewhere midday, she told me, or, or maybe a little later, she'll have it on there for sure. Uh, she's home working diligently, raising kids like all of you are, teaching kids at home. So your day is full. We understand that. But check it out if you get a moment. I'm going to read tonight from the fifth chapter of the book of Exodus. Fifth chapter of the book of Exodus. I am reading the first two verses of Exodus 5. And the Bible said afterward, Moses and Aaron went in into the courts of Pharaoh, and they told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. It is, I should say, too common for people to say they have heard from God. Too common in the sense that so many people say they've heard from God, but there's no validation of their message but I know that when Moses said, God told me to tell you this, Pharaoh, I, I just know that I know that I know all ears were tuned in to the message Moses brought. And he said, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord, that I should obey His voice to let Israel go. I don't even know the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Bless your people tonight, God, in the reading of the Word, into our hearts, we pray. Let it bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and yes, some even a hundredfold, in Jesus' mighty name. Let my people Go. That's been in my heart for a few weeks now. Let my people go. 
Hallelujah. It's difficult to put ourselves in the place, in the real life experience of these Hebrew families in Egyptian bondage. We read it, but we really don't get a grasp for the experience they were living. Nothing but work, all to please the tyrant Pharaoh. No retirement to contribute into, no vacations to plan with the family, no reason for optimism whatsoever. No promise you can offer your kids. Nothing but work. Dirty, hard work. Mamas crying for relief and their babies begging for a little comfort. Let my people go. No human relations committee to make sure management wasn't being unfair. No one there to ensure that the working conditions were safe. Just bondage. Inhumane slavery. Where humans were treated like cattle and worse than dogs. Let my people go. You either kept up with the rigors and demands of your taskmasters or you were unapologetically eliminated. These were Pharaoh's dreams being lived out in the nightmares of every Hebrew family. The writer Josephus said that there was an adage in the day of Jesus and John the Baptist, and it went like this. In the streets of Jerusalem, it's known to be, it's better advantage to you to be Herod's dog, rather, than to be his slave. Slaves weren't treated with respect no matter who the taskmaster was. Let my people go, God said to tell Pharaoh. So let's regress for a moment. In Genesis 37, there's a story told of a man named Jacob and his favorite child, Joseph. Verse 3 of that chapter verifies that. He was, he was the favorite of Jacob. He made him a coat, a coat of many colors. And it was an insignia or a signal, an outward sign that this is my favorite child. He was young, Joseph was, and he was a dreamer. Strike one and strike two. Young men have a hard way in life to hew out. So many older folks don't give young people the time of day or the respect that they need. I realize in young people there's a lot of vanity and ignorance, but not all young people, not all young men and young ladies are serving their flesh. Some of them are diligently seeking after God, and I commend them. It's worth noting. Joseph was young, and he was a dreamer. Joseph had a band of merry brothers that didn't treat him with favor and honor. They disrespected him with jealous rage. They couldn't stand the fact that Jacob loved him, and there were several manifestations, including this coat of many colors of the love of Jacob for Joseph. He's a dreamer. Got crazy thoughts and ideas. And so his brothers hated him the more 
because of their jealousy. Solomon said that love is as strong as death and jealousy is as cruel as the grave. Song of Solomon 8, verse 6. Jealousy can be terrible, a terrible thing. Many of you know that. Some of you are sitting at home right now shaking your head going, yeah, I've lived that. I've lived through that. I know exactly what that means. His brothers, his own family. Imagine that with me tonight. You that have good families, you probably don't understand this type of language. Some of you are coming from broken families, though you get it. Family members jealous of other family members. On and on and on. And his brothers hated him because they were jealous of the attention his father gave him. And so one day they're working in the field. And Jacob sends this young boy, Joseph, to check on them. Reminds me of the story when Jesse sent David to check on his brothers. But Jacob sends Joseph out, the dreamer, the young man, the, the daddy's favorite, wearing that coat of his demonstrated love to check on his jealous brothers. Hmm. And the brothers, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Gad, Naphtali, Joseph, not Joseph, he was there, but all of the other brethren, of course not including Benjamin, but they were all looking for an opportunity of revenge. And they see Joseph coming, and they take advantage of the moment, and they rough their brother up. They beat him down and throw him into a pit. And Reuben wants to spare his life, being the eldest. And along the way comes a band of Midianite travelers. And they get the idea, let's get him out of the hole, and let's sell him off for profit. And so Joseph is sold into the hand of Midianite travelers. And from the Midianite hands, they sell him into Egyptian home of Potiphar. Tribulation upon tribulation in Joseph's life. All because he's young and he's a dreamer. All because he has the favor of his father. Hallelujah. Tribulation lands Joseph in an unfavorable place. Lands him in jail, in prison. Hmm. And while tribulations got him there, his dreams got him out of there. Oh, hallelujah. I want to preach tonight. Joseph's dreams that he held on to got him out of the place that his tribulations put him into. His jealous brothers pushed him into a life of hatred from others and tribulation from Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. But Joseph kept dreaming. Joseph kept interpreting dreams. Brother, the call of God cannot be denied in your life. Sister, the call of God cannot be sold off cheaply like some caravan's wares. The gifts and the callings of God, Paul said, are without repentance. Joseph is what he is. He's young and he's a dreamer. Hallelujah. And Joseph's willingness to keep dreaming 
and keep being a part of God's plan got him out of that place as well. In fact, in Genesis 41, verse 46, the Bible said after the fact that Joseph at 30 years of age is promoted to the second in command of the most powerful nation on the earth, namely Egypt. 30 years old. So I just gave you 13 years of Joseph's life in about two minutes of time. Dreams. He's favored. He's persecuted. He's imprisoned. He's empowered. All because of his dreams, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells the story that while Joseph is empowered as Pharaoh's right-hand man, his second-in-command, that there is a famine back in the land of the Hebrew. And they get word that there's a lot of food over in Egypt. Uh-oh. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. Watch out. God is turning the wheels of justice right now. And someone said a long time ago that the wheels of God's justice turn slow but they grind very sure. God misses nothing. And because of their hunger, Jacob sends them over where there's food. And my, oh my, who do these brothers have to come before? Unbeknownst to them, it's Joseph. <laughs> the one they persecuted, the one they beat down, the one they put into a pit and sold off like a common slave. Hallelujah. Common slave Joseph was in their eyes. They even lied to their father. They put blood on his coat of many colors and said some beast of the forest has torn him to pieces. Jacob said, all these things are against me. Too much for me to bear. Well, now, now these jealous brothers have got to pay the piper. Now they're standing before the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And that discourse between Joseph and his brothers back and forth, go get Benjamin, go check on your father, leave Simeon here, leave this one there. And the brothers start to feel conviction. Uh-oh, it's what we've done in our past that brings this justice upon us. Well, let me fast forward for the sake of time tonight. The Bible said that at one point in time, Joseph shows his true identity to his brothers. He loves them and forgives them. He urges them to go back and get Jacob. They bring him into Egypt. They're all feasting happily as a family again. And then Jacob dies. And the Bible said in Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, in the midst of all the prosperity that Egypt could bestow upon these Hebrews, there came a day when even Joseph, the very, the, the very hub of God's will between Israel and Egypt, 
came a day when Joseph himself would die. And one key verse that you need to highlight in your Bible, if you would, is Exodus 1, verse 8. When Joseph dies, the Hebrews are prospering, but there arises another king, the Bible said, which knew not Joseph. History says it was probably Ramesses or maybe Seti, Ramesses' father, but the key about it is that he's a real game changer. This Pharaoh is about to change the rules. The Hebrews up until now had been blessed to be in Egypt, given lands and prospered by the rules of the game. But this king was born that didn't know Joseph, and he was about to change all the way he dealt with the Hebrews. His fear of the Jews, his anxiety of them growing so large that they would join in the forces of the enemy of the Egyptians if war ever broke out, began this downward spiral of human slavery. 400 years of bondage began this day. One writer said this time of Hebrew history is indelibly scarred into the nation's DNA. And again, mamas cried and babies bellowed, How long, God, must we suffer? We did nothing, but we are here as slaves, worse than dogs. We're being treated. My brother and sister of Palmer, anybody that's tuning in as a visitor tonight, In every one of our lives, there's an element of discomfort and yearning for liberty. We all have something that's a pain to us, emotional, physical, something in our life that we just would, we wish would quit hurting, a memory, something distant, something far away, some haunting thought we just, we just wish would quit hurting. We wish the pain could just be relieved. How long, God? How long? We're looking for some form of liberty, freedom. And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I believe tonight that the only freedom we will ever find is in the presence of the Lord. The only way that pain will ever go away the only way that pain will ever cease is as we grow deeper in our walk with God, deeper and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. God, how long, how much must she suffer? How much must he be under the power of pain, Lord? The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. He went on to write in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The pain, the affliction, the trauma, the torment, God's going to make something good come out of that. God is making something good come out.
come out of that. But know this, my brother and sister. When God finally looks down into your heart and he said, that's enough suffering. That's enough pain. It's over. The suffering, the, the affliction that the enemy has put in your life, it's over. When God says it through, it's through. When God sends word into your heart, let my people go. <laughs> let her go, enemy of the soul. Let him go, enemy of the mind. Let him go, enemy of all peace of God. Let him go. Let her go. Praise God. There's about to be a changing of your life situation. Hallelujah. But here's the point I want you to catch tonight. What caused God to interfere in Pharaoh's destructive plan? What caused God to get involved after all of these years? What made God say, hey Moses, I have a word I want you to take back into the courts of Pharaoh? Was it something on the calendar? Was it something God just had had enough of? We could take a stab in the dark at this or take a shot in the dark at that. But I know for sure what Exodus 2, verse 23 and 24 says. That when the cries of Israel came up before the throne of God, God said, that's enough. That is enough. That is enough. And when God's people begin to cry, God, how long? How much longer, God? I believe God is preparing a word, a messenger. Soon He's about to send it your way, straight to your address, straight to your heart. Let my people Go. I'm talking to you, sister. I'm talking to you, brother. Talking to you, elder or young person. God has your address on his lips right now. Let my people go. No more confusion. No more agony. No more what if. It's time for liberty. It's time to get out of Egypt. It's time to get out of bondage. It's time to break the bonds of slavery. When people cry... God begins to command. Oh, hallelujah. When the people of God begin to cry for relief, the lips of God begin to command the blessing of God upon His people. Let my people go. Let my people go. Pray with me right now, Palmer and visitor that may be tuning in tonight. God of heaven, we are so thankful. We're so thankful, God, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You, God, tonight are hearing the cry of your people. How much longer, God, must I endure this pain? How much longer, God, must I endure this agony? Help us, God, tonight, right now, right here, right where we stand, right where we sit, right where we're crying to you, God. Send the command. Let my People, go! I love you, Palmer. I love you, young and old alike. In the name of Jesus, we're praying for you right now. In Jesus' mighty name. See you Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.